Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. Happy Labor Day weekend, everyone. Uh, You know, there's a rich history behind Labor Day. While now it might seem that it's how we as a country say goodbye to summer with our smoked meats and parades, there's an incredible story behind the founding of Labor Day. Right at the tail end of the 19th century, workers in Canada and and in the United States wanted to unionize as an effort to better negotiate with the manufacturing employers. But to shorten this history lesson, the big picture idea can be pulled from the story about the Pullman strike. Now, while workers were organizing and fighting against the injustices of their workplaces, there was a large strike called the Pullman Strike, organized by the American Railway Union, or ARU for short. For those interested, you can Google it. But for the rest of us, just know that the end result was riots across the country as the strike affected much more than just the workers because the strike shut down many of the country's railroads. Now, eventually, the National Guard was brought in by President Grover Cleveland to put an end to the strike. The arrival of the military and the subsequent deaths of workers in violence led to further outbreaks of violence. And on July 7th, the United States government killed 30 of the protesters, which led to union leadership to call for an end to the strike. Thus, the strike failed and the ARU was dissolved. Then, as a token recognition of the importance of labor that the worker produces, President Cleveland recognized Labor Day as a federal holiday. People were killed for fighting against the injustice that they saw and experienced at the hands of these corporations, which was reinforced by their government, commemorated with a holiday which we've forgotten the meaning to. Now, it wasn't easy for these workers to stand up to defend themselves from the greed of their employers. Their employers were the ones who controlled everything in their towns, the apartments that they lived in, the grocery stores that they shopped at. These corporations controlled every aspect of their lives. But the workers decided to work together to fight against the injustices that they faced, And their fight for justice to be treated fairly cost them a lot, with some of them losing their lives. But they decided that the fight for justice was more important than whatever comfort they had experienced. They knew that what was happening was not right, and they were ready to risk everything. And even though they may have failed in the moment, it led to some changes in antitrust laws, and it gave workers something to look back on as an example of how to organize against corruption and greed. In the same way, we as Christians are called to fight for justice, not just for ourselves, but for others. We are supposed to stand up for those who are being exploited, for those who are being unjustly treated. You see, throughout the Gospels, Jesus continually spoke out against the unjust systems that existed, those that were set up by the earthly leaders and the religious leaders. And his mission was to bridge the gap between humankind and the Almighty, to have us see a better way to live, to have us see what life could be like if we were to be faithful to God and to forsake our earthly ways. Now, before Jesus makes his final trip to Jerusalem, he tells his disciple what's about to happen. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I mean, can you imagine rebuking Jesus? So Peter said, God forbid it. This must never happen to you. 
But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. When Jesus told his disciples to take up their cross, he wasn't joking. He wasn't being overly metaphorical. He was being serious. He told his disciples to deny themselves, to forget that they were anything other than citizens of heaven, to forsake their earthly tethers, and to pick up their cross, their mode of execution, their death sentence, and follow him to the end. And the disciples took it seriously. So seriously, in fact, that all but two of the disciples were martyred. They followed Jesus, they saw the vision that Jesus had, and they understood what this world could be, but it upset too many people. It turned this world upside down, and they paid for it with their lives. They wanted to bring the freedom of God to those around them, and we are called to do the same. Therefore, we have to focus on the heavenly. We have to focus on forgetting what this world tells us is important and work towards showing the glory of God to those around us. Now, there are a lot of differences between earthly and heavenly focuses. One that I believe is the source of a lot of problems in this world is greed. Now, we usually think of greed only in terms of wealth, but we can be greedy with other things such as our time, our services, our love. We can even be greedy with our church. You see, greed says, I need more than you. Greed says there will never be enough, but it also says things like, I shouldn't have to change. And it asks questions like, Why should I be asked to sacrifice? Now, greed is so commonplace in our culture and in our country that we hardly even think about it. We excuse ourselves from being labeled as greedy because we're not in the upper echelons of the wealthy class. But I believe that if we were to truly examine our lives, we would see plenty of places where we practice greed. You see it all around. You turn on the TV or you go online and you see advertisements everywhere saying that you need this new thing, that you need to go on those expensive vacations, that you need to sacrifice your spiritual time to work more, or that you don't need to prioritize your spiritual life because you have more important things to do with your time. See, greed is about taking. Greed looks to exploit. Greed self-centers the gospel, which is supposed to be outward-focused. And if we truly believe in the life-transforming power of Christ, then we need to take seriously the charge of Christ. Stop treating our spiritual lives as second. Parents, stop treating your, sp- your children's lives, spiritual lives, as second. Parents, why are we so focused on our kids' sports but not their spiritual lives? Because some of us would move mountains to make sure that our kid gets to every single practice for every single sport that ever existed, but we're not going to take the time to focus on their relationship with God. Now, I'm not supposed to say this, but I don't care if your kids come to the church's programming. What are you doing at home? When was the last time that you or, and your family prayed together other than just to bless the food before a meal? When was the last time that you and your family read scripture together or talked about God together? What are you doing at home to deny yourself and to follow Christ? How are you instilling that into your children, nieces, nephews, friends, coworkers? 
We need to stop prioritizing this world and start focusing on the heavenly one and call others to do the same. We need to stop putting ourselves before others because Jesus wasn't joking. He wasn't being flippant. He said, pick up your death sentence and follow him to a new world, to a new existence. And you know what happens when we begin to focus on the heavenly instead of the earthly things? We become better spouses. We become better parents. We become better friends, neighbors, and better human beings. Because our interacting with Christ, with God Almighty, is not just supposed to be for our own benefit, but for those around us. You see, throughout scripture, there are stories about the struggles of humanity with greed, with the values of this world. And Jesus continually speaks out against this throughout his ministry. And we have to fight against it too. We have to break away from this mentality that says it's okay to be greedy. We have to be the ones to look onto this, out into this world, to see where greed has taken hold and to fight against it. And it's going to be so hard and we're going to look like fools to everyone outside of this church. But remember, Jesus failed. By all earthly accounts, Jesus was a failure. Now take a moment to think about what Jesus's movement would have looked like from the outside. He was seen as a very wise teacher who was speaking out against the hypocrisy of his own people and he was speaking out against the oppressive Roman government. And then eventually he was executed for it. He was murdered by his people and his state and that's it, he failed. But what started to happen was that other people were speaking about him and carrying out Jesus' message throughout the country and so they were killed too. The Jesus movement, by the world standards, was a giant failure. But then, we know that by heaven's standard, it was a huge success. Jesus called people to look towards God, to repent from their ways and to live a life that glorified God and to give up the things that this world values and focus on the kingdom of heaven. He cared for the marginalized and the poor and the oppressed and told them that they were loved by God. And he called his followers to love just as radically as he did. And he changed the world. You just read Acts and you'll find that the followers of Christ were living a much different life than those around them. They were allowing enslaved people to eat at their tables. They were willing to give up their homes so that no one would go without. They saw the greed around them and shed it from their own lives and made sure that those who were affected by it were cared for. And in the same way, we can live it out in our own lives. And living it out is so important because if we truly believe it, then we must act on it. Jesus tells us what we need to do to bring heaven to earth. It says in Matthew 25, the king will say to those at his right hand, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it when we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you who are accursed, depart from me 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is how Jesus calls us to live out our lives, by taking care of those around us who need it. And we could do this by fighting against the greed that we see in this world, by prioritizing our spiritual lives so that we may better care for others around us. And it's not easy. But just like it wasn't easy for those protesters to go without pay or to risk everything, they knew that it was worth it. Just like we'll know that it'll be worth it. Not only in this life, but also in the next. In fact, it was never supposed to be easy to follow Christ because he calls us to live a radically different life than those around us. And I'm guilty of being greedy and letting my earthly values take precedence over my spiritual ones. But we can take small steps towards this ideal. We can start by examining our own lives. We can start by working together. Think about it for a second. What would happen if we all only bought what we needed? What would happen if we all gave a little more time to helping our neighbor? What would happen if we all gave a couple hours a month to serving, in a, serving others? We would change this town, this county, this state, this country. And not only that, but we could change this world for the glory of God. And for those of us who have absolutely no idea where to start, I want to point you to a website. It's thelifeyoucansave.org. This website is a great resource on how just a little bit of money can go a very long way in the fight against global poverty. And we can literally save lives around the world. There are tools and resources on this website that give us an idea of what even a small amount can do and how we can start to live less greedy lives and focus on taking care of God's creation. Because it matters. I'd like to leave you with a portion from one of my favorite books. It says, What's more, snapped the Lorax. His dander was up. Let me say a few words about Gluppity Glup. Your machinery chugs on day and night without stop, making Gluppity Glup also sloppity slop. And what do you do with this leftover goo? I'll show you, you dirty old onceler man, you. You're glumping the pond where the humming fish hummed. No more can they hum for their gills are all gummed. So I'm sending them off. Oh, their future is dreary. They'll walk on their fins and get woefully weary in, some, in search of some water that isn't so smeary. And then I got mad. I got terribly mad. I yelled at the Lorax. Now listen here, Dad. All you do is yap, yap and say, bad, 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 bad. Well, I have my rights, sir. And I'm telling you, I intend to go on doing just what I do. And for your information, you Lorax, I'm figuring on biggering and biggering and biggering and biggering, turning more truffle trees into needs, which everyone, everyone, everyone needs. And at that very moment, we heard a loud whack. From outside in the fields came a sickening smack of an axe on a tree. Then we heard the last tree fall, the very last truffle tree of them all. No more trees, no more needs, 
No more work to be done. So in no time, my uncles and aunts, everyone, all waved my goodbye. They jumped into my cars and drove away under the smoke-smuggered stars. Now all that was left beneath the bad-smelling sky was my big empty factory, the Lorax, and I. The Lorax said nothing, just gave me a glance, just gave me a very sad, sad backward glance as he lifted himself by the seat of his pants. And I'll never forget the grim look on his face when he hoisted himself and took leave of this place through a hole in the smog without leaving a trace. And all that the Lorax left here in this mess was a small pile of rocks with one word, unless. Whatever that meant, well, I just couldn't guess. That was long, long ago. But each day since that day, I've sat here and worried and worried away. Through the years while my buildings have fallen apart, I've worried about it with all of my heart. But now, says the Wensler, now that you're here, the word of the Lorax seems perfectly clear. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you for this continued opportunity to grow closer to you. And I pray that as, you, as we go throughout our lives, that we can, we can see the opportunities around us to be your hands and feet, to be the ones that say to this world, the heavenly one matters. And we want to bring heaven to earth. So I pray that you don't allow us to turn away from the suffering and the needs of those around us and that you show us how we can truly be your light in this world. Lord, we thank you for the grace, hope, and love that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.